Hey ladies and gents and welcome to episode 23 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. What's going on, Jordan? Salutations, friends. And Dominic. How's it going, Dom? Oi! Oi! Uh, this is actually the first episode where we all have a video feed, um, so there's that, I guess. Um, they unfortunately can't see me right now due to Skype being a jerk, but uh, yeah, when you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see all of us have a video feed, so we're moving into the future, finally. Um, Feast your eyes on the glory of Jared. Oh, before we go any further, look at Jordan. He uh, he was true to his word. He shaved it all off in the words of Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. Where did it all go? <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're the first person ever to lose a bet uh, revolved around Persona 3, so... Yeah, that's yeah. A thing. Um, it's sad, but it was yeah. time to clear it out anyways. True, true. Um, so we're going to get into what we've been playing lately. Um, for me, I I didn't really play too much except for one game that's actually going to be my topic for the show, uh, and that was Splunky. Uh, it was a game that I heard a lot about. Um, I'm very big into indie games, and um, this game actually originally came out on, uh, I think, Windows or something way back in, the, in 2012, and then it got re-released. Um, I'm not too familiar with the history there, so I could be a little wrong. But, um, yeah, it's a fun game. It's a 2D, um, like, it, it, it's called Splunky because you're splunking through caves and caverns. It's it's not very difficult, but it is difficult as different items in the game. Um, and it's um, not procedurally generated, but each uh, time you play the game, the um, levels are generated. Hmm. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's just a fun game. I have plenty to say about it for my topic. It's pretty much all I've played outside of uh, Overwatch's new update, the Summer Games, which uh, adds... The cool thing about it is so all the characters in Overwatch are from a country in the United States, minus Winston, who's technically from the moon. Um, so in this Summer Games, it's a nod to the Olympics, obviously, with the Olympics starting. And um, yeah, you get a skin for each character for their country. So like Mercy's from Sweden, so she has a Swedish uh, skin. McCree, who's the cowboy guy, has like an American flag draped around his chest, which is cool. Um, so I've been playing that too. There's a new game mode uh, called Lucille Ball, which is essentially Overwatch meets uh, Rocket League, which is really fun. Do you um, say it's called Lucille Ball? Lucille Ball. Uh, one of the characters in the game is called Lucio, and he has like a thing where he can push characters away. So uh, they basically turn off all of his abilities except for that push mechanic. And it's basically a three-on-three soccer game in a Rocket League map with a ball. Um, with so, a Lucio Ball pun in the title. I yeah, like, like Lucio Ball, yeah. Um, it's pretty fun, but other than that, I've been deep into Splunky. I love the game. Uh, I, like I said, I don't want to go on too long, but I really love the fact that this game can be played however you want to, and I'll get more into that in the topic, but it's one of those games that lends itself to personal experience, and you can figure out how to play the game best yourself, but like I said, I'll get into that later. Uh, Jordan, what have you been playing? So, I actually had a pretty busy week, uh, didn't get a whole lot of playing in, but um, man, playing Hyperlight Drifter last week, it was giving me a huge itch to go back and get some Bloodborne in, so... Um, probably spent, uh, just like two or three days this week playing Bloodborne, but I probably spent a good, I don't know, six to eight hours in the game. Um, finishing up the, what's that? Have you played that DLC yet? Yeah, so I was just about to say I'm, uh, finishing up the Chalice Dungeons, and as I'm doing that, I needed to get some more insight to, uh, perform the ritual to get a new Chalice Dungeon. And um, so I went out to go get more insight, and one of the ways that I thought I was going to be able to get insight actually was the way that you access the old Hunter DLC. 
Um, so I didn't get any insight, but I did start the old Hunter DLC without even trying to. Oh, wow. Um, which, it, it didn't end up being a big deal. Like, it, I figured it out. But, uh, That's yeah, funny, because about... usually, usually it takes a lot of research, and it's a big, long, hard, difficult, obscure process to get to the DLC in, yeah. in these kind of games. But it was definitely, it by accident. That's funny. It was definitely obscure, but I just... Uh, I guess nobody mentioned that that was also the way to start the DLC, but... Um, it was about time anyways, I was, I was thinking about doing it, and, um, um, really cool the way, uh, Dom, have you played it? Old Hunters? Not, not the DLC, no. Yeah, so basically, um, I won't spoil too much, but you start out in the Cathedral Ward, and it's basically completely changed. They've used, um, it's almost like this giant tree trunk has grown into the landscape of the level, and so um, it completely changes the terrain. It totally changes the level to where you're going in all new areas and climbing up over buildings that you never would have been able to get to the top of. Um, so it really takes an old level and uh, gives it a fresh coat of paint that it makes it feel completely brand new. Um, bunches of new weapons. I've already got like four or five weapons just from playing a couple hours. Um, different types of enemies. Way more actual hunters to fight you're fighting hunters like every couple minutes even though Ugh. most of them most of them are almost like mini hunters they're not like the full-on boss battles that you're used to but uh yeah man like i said i had that itch just from hyperlight drifter and it was really scratching it um bloodborne and, and hyperlight drifter are definitely very similar i can see a lot of influence from bloodborne and hyperlight so um i was really b glad to get back to that Someday I'll finish this game. I've already put 100 hours into it, so it's not like I'm dying to beat it at this point. I just, I love it so much that that I would be cool with playing it for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> that's what I've been doing. That's awesome. What about you, Dumb? What have you been playing? So, I got a pretty good list this week. Um, Ooh. Put some more time into Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Um, yeah. I, I'm kind of just, like, chipping away at that, like, an hour or two at a time here and there. That's um, a good game to do that with. It definitely. Yeah. Because... It, it, it's not that it's bad or – I mean, I've complained about the controls, but after a little bit, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm, I mean, I've just had enough of this for right now. It's not, no fault to any – it just doesn't keep me in for long play sessions like, like The Witcher did, for example. But, yeah, so I put a little bit of time into that, and I also finished uh, Shovel Knight on the Vita. Whoop, whoop. So we're going to talk about that in a little more specifics later, so I'll just let that be. Um, but then I also played the Telltale Batman, uh, episode one. Awesome. Uh, so really quick, it's a Telltale game. I mean, lots of quick time events, especially as Batman when you're fighting. It's, you know, you're just swiping, you know, left and right, hitting square and everything like to that. To be expected, right? Exactly. Um, but there are, it's mostly, like playing as Batman is a smaller part of this game. You're for, you're playing as Bruce Wayne for a, a large portion of the time, and most of the time when you're Batman, you're doing more detective esque stuff and not not so much fighting. That's and cool. even yeah, and I was I was telling you guys about this uh, a couple of days ago. Even one of the bigger fight scenes, you actually before you start it, you have to kind of use your detective mode to plan it out and uh, basically scan the environment and see what which objects you're gonna you want to use to. Uh, knock people the fuck out, basically. That's cool. That's Batman. I love that. They capture yeah. that. That's great. Yeah. It it kind of gives you that feeling, like when you watch the movies, and you know Batman just like 
flies in out of nowhere and he, he seems like an expert on like that exact territory and just knows everything that's going to happen but you don't see any of that preparation that would physically have to go in for that to be possible yeah so this kind of does that it kind of shows you i mean it's obviously it's not the most realistic and things are like highlighted that you're supposed to click and stuff like that but it's still cool the way they set the way they set that up and everything else like being bruce wayne is fantastic i love it um, a lot of people love to argue about which Batman movie had the best Bruce Wayne, right? Like, it was Michael Keaton, or was it Christian Bale, etc. Um, George Clooney. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That, yeah. I mean, Batman is pretty similar in each of the movies, give or take. But Bruce Wayne is a little more different. Uh, That's where you from, see the, the special take for that specific actor, I agree. Exactly, exactly. So some of them, you you see, they put more emphasis on the facade, Um that is Bruce Wayne, right? Like Michael Keaton kind of really acted that well, I think. And Christian Bale tried to a little bit, but when he tried to act snobby, I just didn't really buy it most of the time, I guess. It didn't really fit too well, yeah. I, I still really liked him in that movie, but yeah. So basically you get to make that choice when you're playing this game of what kind of Bruce Wayne do you want to be? Um, what are you going to say to Alfred and Harvey Dent and like all these, you know, all those, all the, all the characters you're used to. Um, some of them I are... One in particular is a bit different than uh, what we're used to, and I really like their take on this character. I won't say who. Okay. And I'm excited to see where that goes because they kind of just started a thread and left it, which happened. There's like several story threads going on just in this episode that kind of get started. And Quick question. Like, are there – so for me, Batman is all about the villains. Like, I love Batman's villains. Um Are there more than, like, one villain? Is there a cast that you're introduced to? Is there more than one at least? So far, there has been, I think, three, at least okay. two. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Introduced. So, and this is episode one. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the episode, you more or less deal with one of them. Got you. I'll just say that. Yeah. So I'm sure they're going to introduce even more. Um, and maybe they'll save some for a season two or something. But Yeah, see, I see them going more the route of, like, instead of having three iconic Batman villains in this season, maybe they'll have one and then you know like the fucking mad hatter guys like that like some lower tier and then you know kind of build it as the seasons go on because i assume they're gonna have multiple seasons yeah i think they wanted to i think with this is the first episode they wanted to definitely introduce a lot of threads that could go moving forward i doubt you'll deal with all of these guys at a super hardcore level but i think they want people to know like we're diving in you know we're diving deep so it yeah it reminds me a bit of i've only watched a couple episodes of gotham Okay, and it's not a great show, by any means. But uh, they it it does that same kind of thing where they introduce different villains really slowly, and when they're much younger, obviously, and that kind of thing, just not as much happens with them. But you get that feeling of well, they're building this right, and that show isn't particularly isn't good Riddler, at building. But isn't the Riddler like the forensic uh, analyst or something? Yeah, like Edward Gotham, Edward yeah. Edward Nigma, yeah. and like they introduce him by like. Uh, you know, Gordon is just on a detective, uh, you know, at a crime scene or whatever, and Nigma just walks up and says you know, something, you know, some kind of riddle. goofy or whatever, and that's it. Like a, one or two lines, and like that's him. But you know who he is. Yeah. And you're like, he's gonna come back, or maybe he won't. But yeah, it, this the Telltale game does a lot of that. It's setting a lot of things up. There's a big old web of stories that I can't wait to uh, to play through. So, and then of course. Another awesome part about this game is you also, in addition to deciding what kind of Bruce Wayne you want to be, you get to decide what kind of Batman you want to be, whether or not you're going to 
do certain things that Batman might do uh-huh. or not do. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, the cool um, thing, though, with these Telltale games is, like, I think these are the alter ego games. We're going to get these these big titles, these AAA games that are open-world RPGs or action-adventures, like the Spider-Man game, um, where they're about being that superhero. And you'll have touches to, you know, being Peter Parker, but I think Telltale is going to do something special, especially with Marvel and with Warner Brothers, where they're going to be the alter ego stories, you know, the Bruce Wayne stories, possibly Clark Kent. So I think that's cool. Yeah, this is – Batman is such a perfect uh, a perfect genre or topic or character or whatever for Telltale to go at. It fits their gameplay and their style very well. Yeah. So definitely recommend it. Perfect marriage. Uh, let's get into the news stories here. Um, the first news story, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, comes by way of Game Informer. Uh, Elise Favis over at Game Informer writes, Game journalism pioneer Joyce Worley passes away. Um, if you're not familiar with Joyce Worley Katz, he was one of the three founders of Electronic Games Magazine. Uh, he passed away earlier this week, unfortunately. Uh, so our condolences go out to him. Uh, he's actually been battling serious health problems since he had a stroke in May. Um, though this guy wasn't directly involved in the making of video games, he definitely was a pioneer in game journalism. And a lot of people can you know, owe him for the jobs they have now. Um, your IGNs, your Kotakus, your Polygons. Um, so definitely, you know, our condolences go out to this guy who is a true pioneer. Um, uh, and in related news, the game journalism, uh, Patrick Klepek actually, uh, joined Vice Gaming, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, you know, it sucks, but we gotta pay condolences to the people who have paved the way for people who are doing great things now. So sure. I thought that was something worth talking about. Um, rest in peace. Yeah, Definitely. Um, the second story here comes by way of Polygon. Uh, ben Kuchero over at Polygon writes, You can visit the top of Mount Everest for $25 and a VR headset. Uh, I thought this was a pretty cool story. Nothing too much here. Just um, He talks about playing the, the VR experience. It, it's no longer than, I think, 20 minutes. But this is something that I think is a really cool experience. This would be a cool thing to have on PSVR. Maybe it could be one of their uh, PS Plus games eventually. But, like These are the experiences, I think, that are going to set VR apart. And they're going to get people excited for VR. Video games are cool and everything, but this is the touristy stuff that I personally am excited for. Like, being able to experience Mount Everest, which tons of people die trying to do. Um, being able to experience that, I think, is really cool. What do you guys think about being able to see uh, Mount Everest up close and personal through VR? I think it's sweet. And this is just one one example. This is just the first thing they've done. Imagine all the places we're going to be able to get to visit that probably wouldn't have been possible otherwise. So, I think yeah. it's very cool. Yeah, the depths of the ocean to the tallest peaks in the world. I think it's awesome. The moon. Yep, exactly. Ooh, the moon in VR. That'd be awesome. Right? Um, Anything to say about that, Jordan? I don't want to cut you up before we move on to the next news story. Um, No, I was just going to say that, um, you know, one thing that I think we like to mention here on this uh, show about VR is is kind of the logistical uh, issues that may pop up, and I'm totally cool with... um, virtual tourism i think it'd be awesome to be able to sit at you know an e3 conference with your headset on even though you're not actually there Um, that would be super cool but at the same time this kind of um forces my mind down the path of like the the humans and wally that are just can't even move they just have floating chairs and their screens set in front of them it's a great Um, movie (laughs) yeah it's a great movie and it also has some scary implications about where we could be going as humans. Now, I'm not saying that... It's like Disney's automa- idiocracy, essentially. So. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that um, just because you participate in, in virtual tourism that you're automatically hooked and that you'll 
not be able to take your headset off, but I think, um, you know, with the stuff we talked about uh, with the guy that had Google Glass on the Navy ship and um, just some things that we've seen from VR coming out of the gate, um, I do hope that uh, we're not looking at a world in five or ten years where no one, I mean, we kind of are, people already do this with their phones where there's a lot of people that don't exist in the place that they're actually in very often. Yeah. And um, so just as a counterpoint to you guys, I'm not saying that the world's ending or anything, but I just think it is something uh, interesting that usually pops up in my mind when we talk about this. Yeah, and on the opposite end of that, I think kids who are maybe in children's hospitals who aren't able to go out and do things, or people who just have um, muscle-crippling diseases where they can't walk or go places, I think that's also uh, the opposite end of that, where like VR can take these people and help, help them have... I hate to say normal experiences because nobody's really normal, but you know what I mean by that. Yeah. Um, being able to go out and just maybe even just walk around or stuff like that. Or even like imagine – and this is a, a, kind of a weird example, but you know, people who are sitting in a children's hospital and can't play Pokemon Go, what if there was some way that VR worked with Pokemon Go where like it was you know, a, a, essentially a fake GPS of you walking to this place. You can experience that game the way other people got to, but you don't have the opportunity to do so because of maybe um, you know, physical – physical things that, have, that you have going on, stuff like that. So yeah. um, VR is definitely an interesting argument. I just thought this was a cool story because Mount Everest. I was like, that's a weird place to start off at. But um, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. I um, just re- really quick, you, you just made me think of, did you guys watch Lost at all? No. Yeah. So Jordan, when uh, when John Locke really wants to go on his walkabout <laughs> and they tell him no, <laughs> should have just and gave just him a VR, him a VR headset. VR headset. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I just had to. I had to throw that in there. No, that was a great lost joke right there. That's funny. Um, so the next story comes by way of Seth Macy over at IGN. Um, this is something I was interested. I think a lot of people are interested in. Um, we knew the Xbox One S was going to be more powerful than the original Xbox One. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but there's actually benchmarks now. Um, so Xbox One S performance boost has been benchmarked. Um, the new Xbox One S is now available in addition to 4K Blu-ray support. The console revision also has improved performance over its predecessor. The jump in performance definitely isn't the big leap Microsoft is promising for Scorpio, yada yada yada, uh, but the Xbox puts its performance at up to 11% higher than the vanilla Xbox One. Uh, Of course, that 11% performance jump isn't across the board, but was noted during a test of Project Cars and third-person chase cam replay. Uh, The One S beats out the Xbox One due in large part to an overclocked GPU, whereas the original Xbox One GPU clocks in at uh, 853 MHz, I believe. MHS, right? Megahertz. Uh, the GPU in the Xbox One S has 914. Um, the Xbox One S also benefits from increased uh, ESS RAM uh, bandwidth at 219 gigabytes a second compared to the original Xbox One 204 gigabytes a second. Um, if your eyes have glossed over the technical details in a nutshell, games can and do look better running on your Xbox One S. The difference may not blow the top off your skull, but it's noticeable and not insignificant. Um... So, yeah, I think it's cool that these... I love when when uh, tech specs are benchmarked because you actually get to see where they line up specifically. You hear all this talk of, it's more powerful, it's more powerful, but seeing that tangibly uh, definitely works for me. Um, yeah, it's it's exactly what I expected. I wasn't expecting this to be a huge leap. This is what I assume the Neo is going to be the PlayStation 4, which, like we said, isn't blowing the roof off anything, but it's definitely an improvement, right? Uh, especially the 4K Blu-ray. I think that's the biggest thing with the Xbox One S. Um, that's the selling point to me. Not the slightly better games, but the 4K um, gaming and or DVD experience. Blu-ray, sorry. Um, <laughs> so what do you guys think about this? The uh, the benchmarked 
uh, technical feature for the Xbox One S and compared uh, to the Xbox One? I think that this is kind of just a bridge to Scorpio. Um, yeah. You know, we're not getting major performance upgrades, but I do think if you're maybe on the edge of buying an Xbox One S, then this would probably put you over because um, maybe you have an older Xbox One that you're trying to get rid of. Maybe you uh, want to upgrade. Maybe you haven't ever had an Xbox, but either way, I think these are uh, enticing little details that Microsoft was smart to include inside because it really does help for people sitting on the fence of that decision. It, yeah. It's it's perfect because 11%, um, I, I know the article you read just said it was noticeable, but that would never, you would never notice them, the difference. if Unless you had it side by side, you would never notice the extra five frames per second. Mm-hmm. You might get more. Maybe not even that, right? That's like 11%. Sounds like a lot, but like the Scorpio compared to the Xbox One is probably like over 100% more powerful. Yeah. And then some are, you know. So this is like... Just enough to point out to make it a story, but not enough to to put it in like the neo territory where people were kind of upset that it was too much more powerful yeah. in that weird middle spot. So yeah, um, I think too this is a, a good way of getting away with tears for consoles. I think you can look at the because we've we've stated before in stories that Microsoft stated that every game that comes out will be available to play on the Scorpio as well as the the uh, the One S. How long that'll last for? I don't know. I mean, for a while there, almost every game that came out for the Xbox One was available for the Xbox 360. Kind of the same thing with uh, PS4 and PS3. Obviously, there was exclusives, but you know, for the most part, you can play uh, wherever the console you had. Um, and with this, I think it's a way of getting away with tears. I think people who can't afford the Scorpio because it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive. Can jump in on the One S by by time by this time next year, there will be a price drop in the One S, right? Um, so it definitely will have tiers for people of how they want to get into Xbox. So I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I agree with you. 11% isn't nothing to, uh, get super excited for, but I personally just like seeing the numbers. Um, yeah, but it isn't anything too drastic. Um, also by way of IGN, Matt Porter writes, Ghostbusters game developer files for bankruptcy. Uh, you guys have probably heard about this before. Uh, developer Fireforge, creator of the recent Ghostbusters movie tying game, uh, has filed for bankruptcy. According to Kotaku, Fireforge Games filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy on July 15th, uh, just three days after releasing Ghostbusters. Um, this article goes into it being... The, the Ghostbusters game was essentially the last nail in the coffin. It wasn't the the first issue with this company having to go into bankruptcy. Sure. Um, obviously, Activision published this game. Um, and, you know, the big thing with this is we're seeing that, you know, Activision's known for not... Uh, not being good at being a publisher with uh with uh you know um licensed licenses yeah they're not so. they're not known for properly handling the quality of the licenses that they carry exactly and i hope to never see a marvel game with the activision license on it uh again i'd be cool with um, that I, yeah i'd be definitely cool with that um yeah i i just this isn't surprising to me it sucks these people are more than likely losing their jobs um I don't know if maybe they'll get moved on to the Destiny team because that's Activision's moneymaker. I have no idea. Um, but I hope the, the people that lost their jobs are going to lose their jobs, find new places. But this isn't surprising. Um, this is a weird game. It's it, the, the weird thing about it is it has no really no characters from the new movie or from the old. So it's just like, <laughs> let's make a Ghostbusters game with something nobody cares about. And whether your opinion on the new Ghostbusters, whatever it is, at least if it was a game tied to that, it would make sense. It's weird that they... 
they essentially introduced eight new Ghostbusters this year. You know, the four for the new movie and the four for the new video game. Um, this last paragraph here. Uh, lawyer Richard Land sued Fireforge last year, claiming the company signed a deal to license 38 Studios' social media platform, Helios, for $3.7 million, but instead built its own version using X38 Studio employees. Um, so there was some weird stuff happening with Fireforge, too, going behind people's backs with the licensing deal and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, this was really weird. Uh, I didn't play the Ghostbusters game, but from what I saw, it doesn't look like anything too... Uh, too crazy. It doesn't look like anything revolutionary. It just looks like a like an Activision game that was published to be made in eight months. That's the biggest thing too. They were they were asked to make this game in eight months, and you're rarely going to get a game that's good in eight months. So um, true. Yeah. The fact that they were charging fifty dollars for this game out of the gate was a fucking joke. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the saddest part is. Giving it only eight months, and there's probably there just seems like poor leadership all around on that project, right? Yeah, I can't. You can't definitively say that you know this is they're just a shitty studio and they don't know how to make a game. Like exactly, it's a time constraint. Like right, it's some of the some of the people who make decisions higher up are the ones who really screwed this up. Exactly, um, and this isn't like a huge studio that can possibly get out something decent in eight months. Seems like it's a smaller end studio that's trying to force everybody to work countless overtime and you know get little sleep and yeah, it's a crazy thing. But uh, speaking of uh, indie games, I guess segue. <laughs> um, Play Dead's Inside is coming to PS4 in August. Woo! Uh, as people who have listened to this podcast know, this is currently my game of the year. Still is. I uh, love this game to death. Um, yeah, I'm personally kind of surprised. It's, it's not surprising the fact that obviously they want their game to be everywhere they can, and obviously they want it on PS4 where there's twice as many owners, right? It's just weird that it came out so soon. Am I mad at Microsoft? By any means, no way. Like, the more people that get to play this fantastic game, the better. Like, I, it's awesome. I would love this to just be uh, the day that it released for Xbox One to be available on PS4 as well. Yeah. Um, and, Jordan, you're excited because you held out on buying it. Now you actually get to get the trophies for it. Right. Though there isn't a platinum. So, uh, I don't know how you feel about that. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm uh, this. Uh, the story comes by way of Shabana Arif over at VG247. And essentially says, Inside is the second title from studio um, from the studio behind Limbo and was released on Xbox One at the end of June, um, followed by a Steam launch a week later. Uh, the game is a puzzle platformer with a similar atmosphere to Limbo. I got seller reviews. Um, yeah, so are both of you guys picking this up when it releases? Yes. I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would... So, Dom, we've had this discussion about how you play indie games or how you want to play indie games. I don't think it would be a bad experience on the Vita, but I really think you should give it a try on your TV, maybe with headphones or the volume up. Like, the music in the game is fantastic. Wait. Is it coming to Vita, or are you just talking about remote play? No, I'm no. saying like remote play. Okay. Like remote play. Goodness, yeah, I wish you startled me. That'd be, that would be fantastic. Um, coming to NX. Oh, that'd be that'd be cool. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for you guys to be able to play. I'm excited for all the PS4 owners out there. <clears throat> excuse me, that get to play this game too. Uh, Blessing, I think, owns only a PS4. Jordan, the other Jordan who we've also on this podcast. So uh, plenty of people own, like, twice as many people own a PS4 than Xbox One. So, yeah. Uh, I'm just glad you guys got to play this game because I guess it's my current game of the year. Uh, whether it'll be yours or not, I don't know, but it is a fantastic game. It definitely is an experience worth having. So, um, The last story here, 
Darkest Dungeon, which is a huge PC hit, people love the game, is coming to PS4 and Vita this September. So back-to-back months, PlayStation owners are getting two awesome games. You guys are getting uh, Inside, and then you guys are getting Darkest Dungeon. This story comes by way of Mike Futter over at Game Informer. Uh, we've been following the progress of Darkest Dungeon on PC since it, uh, before it arrived in early access. <clears throat> Excuse me. The tactically impressive and challenging title is now set for its debut on console. The long-awaited PlayStation 4 and Vita release uh, has finally been dated. When does it land on September 27th? When it lands on September 27th, it will include a number of additions that have been added to the PC edition. Uh, this includes 15 character classes and more than 40 town events. A single $25 purchase will get you both the console and handheld version. So it's cross-buy. Super awesome. Yes. Um, if you're not sure what to expect from a trip to the dungeon, then they link to, obviously, one of their videos. This game looks really cool. This is a game I'm definitely uh, jealous of you guys for having on PS4 and Vita, especially Vita. This is definitely... This reads more as a handheld game to me than uh, an inside or a shovel knight. This game definitely reads uh, handheld to me, but it looks cool. You Both of you are familiar with this game, right? Yes. A, a bit, yeah. Yeah, are you are you, is this is this a, a game you guys are definitely going to want to play? Maybe not a day one purchase, but definitely something you're going to look to pick up. I was borderline going to pick it up on PC, so now I'm absolutely getting this for the Vita. Oh, awesome! That's great. Uh, yeah, so there's quite a bit of indie news there. Uh, we're going to get into our first topic here, which is Spelunky, um, which is my topic. Uh, this game is fantastic. Uh, it's a games of gold, and it's uh, backwards compatible via Xbox One 360. Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, it's just a fun game. Uh, the reason I want to talk about it is because this is a game... I mean, we all have these type of games where you hear about a game being so good, but you just never get around to it. Um, it's not on your radar, but you always... Every time that, that game is brought up in conversation, it, it never really has any hesitancy to being called great. Like, everyone always loves games, right? And for me, Spelunky was one of those games of, like, it's definitely everything I would love, but I never got around to playing it. And I love this game. I've been playing it nonstop. Uh, so just to give you guys a, a picture, you play this little miner, uh, he's unnamed, and you basically go through these generated levels, and you have to be, <laughs> they're kind of numbered in, in uh, Super Mario World sense of like, or just Mario General, like 1-1, 1-2, 1-3, right? Jared, so the first just area, to be clear, you mean miner is in someone who works underground in a rocky yes, area? Yes, not underage. Because you said yes. you play as a oh. little miner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as size-wise, sorry, yes. It just worked um, out so could perfectly. Be taken, <laughs> could be definitely taken out of context. Um, so the first set of levels is a, a basic mine. Like, think of your classic American mine. Um, it, and uh, so every every set of stages is uh, 1-1 to 1-4. Obviously, the second set are 2-1 to 2-4. Uh, and every time you finish a select set, you move on to the next one. They're always in order. So it goes uh, American mine... A jungle, uh, space, ice thing, and then an Egyptian kind of pyramid kind of mine. And every time you finish one set, um, you run into a guy, right? There's this guy just standing there, kind of the bridge between the two places. And the first time you you talk to him, he he's like, hey, I need some of your items to fix this. The second time you run into him at that same location, so if you pass the first four levels, he'll ask you, okay, well, now I need rope. And then the third time is like, now I need money. And you... So every in, in order to get him to do something um, worthy of his time, you need to beat that same set of four levels. So the first four levels of the game, 
at least three times, right? And the game is very hard. It's very challenging. Um, and then you open up a shortcut. So it's not you get to the end of this point and there's automatically a shortcut. You have to get to the, the end of the set of levels with the specific item he needs for that specific time that you got there. Damn. Um, if, if, That's some Bloodborne shit, that? yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, there's actually an achievement too for or a trophy for getting – actually, I don't know if it's on PlayStation. Uh, getting through the game without using a shortcut. Um, this game is very hard. What I love most about this game is that it's definitely um, playstyle based. So the basic mechanics of the game is you spawn at the top of the map, and it's 2D, and you're you're the point of the game is to work your way down to the bottom where there's an exit. Uh, between those two points are a bunch of different areas that you have to platform through. There's enemies of different types depending on the set of levels you're in. So the the American style mine uh, has snakes. And spiders and stuff like that. Whereas the jungle area has like Venus fly traps and a lot of different. Like they're very um, based on the location you're at, and it's very hard. At your disposal, every time you start the set at the, at the beginning of the game, you're you spawn with four bombs and four ropes. Ropes you throw out to help you climb up and down, obviously, and bombs are used to explode the actual map. Um, there's a store that can randomly be generated in a level where you can buy stuff. That's another point. You're a miner, uh, a digging <laughs> miner, not an underage miner, and you gather gold through the levels as well. So that's the second part of the game. First part of the game being you have to get from point A to point B. Second part being you want to gather as much money as you can so you can buy up items to help you. There's like a compass item that shows you exactly where the exit is. You always know it's on the bottom layer, but you don't know if it's on the bottom right, bottom left, or anywhere in between. Um... And there's tons of different items that help you do tons of different things. Um, but the playstyle that I want to get back to is, say for instance, I'm more of the speedrunny guy. I want to get through the game as fast as possible. So I don't care about gold. I don't care about extra items. I'm literally just trying to get from point A to point B. That works. You can play that way. Uh, Jordan, say you're the methodical, want to get the most out of each level. Yeah. They are timed, um, but you want to definitely get as much gold as you can. You want to pace yourself through the run. You kind of want to... You know, see an area, figure it out first, and then move forward. You can definitely play that way too. If you stack up enough bombs that you find throughout the maps, you can literally go to one edge of the map, bomb your way down carefully because you can't kill yourself, bomb your way down, and try to find the exit there. You can go super quick, or you can go through the area they already have for you established. There's definitely many ways to play this game. You can play it the safe route, the the, the speed run route, a little bit in between, the item hunter route where you you kind of get items uh, through saving up gold. Um, so you definitely rely on those items a lot. There's definitely a lot of different ways to play this game, and that definitely lends to replayability. Um, another aspect of the game, so I've already told you the main point of the game is to get to, from point A to point B, right? The second part of the game is to gather gold to buy items. The third point of the game is you have hearts, right? You have three three or four hearts you start off with. Every time you get hit, you lose a heart. Basic video game logic. Um, but there's these things called damsels, and you can either, it can either be a, a, a pug, like a <laughs> dog, a woman, or a guy. I chose it to be randomly out of the three, so every time I run into one, they're essentially a person, uh, an innocent person in the map that you had to knock out and pick him up and carry him to the end. That's great. And if you do, you you get an extra heart. So if you get hit and you finish the map with them, uh, say you were at three, you got hit, you go down to two. When you finish the map and you reload the next the, the next map, you're at three hearts. Um, so it's a definitely brutal game, brutally addictive though. Um, game is super fun. Like I said, the replayability is through the roof. I so there's four sets of maps right like I told you guys there's the American uh, mine the jungle mine and the uh, the ice mine and then there's the fourth one the Egyptian one I have gotten the checkpoint 
so that way I can spawn in the jungle mine to begin with, the second set. I am still working on trying to get the checkpoint between the jungle and the ice stages. Uh, so I, I already gave him two bombs. So you have to finish those four levels and still have two, two bombs in your inventory. Dang. Um, then I had to finish it again and make sure I had three rope. Then I had to finish it again, and now the hard part... And some people may say this is unfair, but I like it because the checkpoints help you finish the game quicker. That kind of deteriorates from the point of the game. But now, in order to get that checkpoint, not only do I have to finish those four maps without dying, I have to somehow have enough money to buy a shotgun and make it through those stages at any point and get to him with a shotgun still. Jesus Christ. And when you get hit, you can lose the item too. Yeah, so it's very brutal, but I love that. Like, some of my favorite games, Dark Souls... Uh, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight's not too hard, but like I love hard games, right? Trials. Um, so I'm still trying to get that checkpoint. I've made it to the the end set of levels, the Egyptian levels, but I didn't beat it. Um, and like I said, when you die, you have to start the game all over again. You don't get a start. There's not checkpoints. That's what you get those little checkpoints to. So when you start the game, there's like doors. You can either go through the main door to start from the beginning of the game, or you can go to those checkpoints, right? So there's like a jungle door. Um, yeah, that, I, I've been talking for so long. What do you guys think? Does this game sound interesting? If it came to PlayStation, I don't know if it is. Is this a game you would play on Vita? When did this When did this game first come out? 2012. Okay, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, and then it was ported to the Xbox 360 in 2013, I think. Could be wrong okay. about that. Um, now it's obviously available through backwards compatibility. Um, I'm excited for a Splunky 2. I think this game was actually made by one person, too, which is amazing in and of itself. So this um, game is on Vita, by the way. Yes. It is? PS4, oh, PS3, Dom, and I Vita. Su- Dom, I suggest if, if it comes on sale, if you don't want to... I don't know, it's maybe five bucks. I don't know how much it is. You should definitely try this game. It is hard, but it is fun. And it's definitely... Like, you were talking about with Assassin's Creed earlier, like, I can play this game for an hour or so and then get out of it. This is definitely one of those games that's like... Uh, Oh, I have 15 minutes to play a video game. Let me play a little bit of Splunky, you know? There's not a good game. games to yeah, have yeah, on the library. Not... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a, a very good game to have on a mobile device. You're not expect. There's not, like, a crazy storyline by any means. It's just trying, oh, how far will I get this time I'm playing, you know? It's really fun, man. I've been addicted to this game. I was not expecting to be addicted to it, but it's a really great time. Um, and for it to be made by one person is phenomenal. Like, that's the biggest thing to me is, like, if one guy can make this game and it's that good of a game, it kind of, I kind of, uh, kind of get, are, am hesitant to people who put out these games that aren't so great and they have full teams, you yeah. know? Like, this guy was one guy and he put out a fantastic game. Um, yeah, d- does the game sound crazy to you guys? Does it sound, like, difficult? Because it is. Um, I just talked for so long. I, I want to hear you guys No, talk. that's good. I want to <laughs> hear this in-depth, uh, deep dive, um... It sounds like a game that's perfect for a deep dive like that just because it sounds uh, really thick um, in a good way. Um, and the challenge of it seems like um, that may be the hook that keeps you coming back to it. Is that right? Yeah, the, the hook is, oh, I know where I messed up. It's kind of like it's kind of like Dark Souls. Like when you die in Dark Souls, you know, for the most part, you know what you did wrong. And you're like, oh, it was my fault, yeah. right? And you want to go back and you're like, oh, I'll get it right this time. It's exactly how it is in Splunky. It has that Dark Souls hook. Like, you're like, oh, man, if I would have just paid attention, if I would have saw that bat coming mm. down to me, I could have killed it and I wouldn't have died. So it's just like it gets under your skin because you're like, I know I can beat this level. Right. You know? um, it's just a great time, man. Like, this is a game that I'm – so a, a couple of weeks back, I talked about Child of Light. I never played Child of Light. I got fantastic reviews. I finally got around to playing it, and I adored that game. I uh, perfected it, quote-unquote, platinumed it. Um, also on Vita. Yeah. 
Um, this is a game that I definitely love, and this is for me. This brings up just if there's a game that you missed and you weren't there for the zeitgeist of it, and you hear it's a great game and you want to play it, go play it, go try it. Just because it came out a while ago doesn't mean you shouldn't at least try it. Amen. Um, yeah, some of the best game experiences I've had this year. Uh, Child Light and Spelunky were games that I heard were so good, never got around to them, finally did, um, and I love them. So I definitely think it's never too late to play great games, I think would yeah. be my takeaway. Um, speaking of great games, let's get into topic two. Uh, Dom, you played a little bit of Shovel Knight, which is uh, one of my favorite games of all time, so tell me about that experience. Uh, yeah, more than a little bit. Uh, <laughs> almost 10 well, you hours beat it, worth. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I spent a... Yeah. I didn't even realize how long I had been playing it for. And at the end, I finally saw the counter. It was like nine hours and 40 or 50 some minutes by the time I completed the game. It was like, wow, I I didn't even realize. I didn't know I had 10 free hours to play this game uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, in my didn't. week or whatever. I was like amazed. It's one of those well, games that you just like sink hours into and it never hits you. It's just like, what? So. Yeah, because you it, – <sighs> It just sucks you in in this weird way. It's kind of it. Reminds me of how you just described Spelunky, where like it's difficult, but every time you die and get frustrated, you just want to try again. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to put in words, but yeah. So, ten hours is what it took me to beat it. The difference, um, and maybe I missed this in your description of Spelunky between. So the difference between Shovel Knight and Spelunky, I'm there's uh, Shovel Knight. There's checkpoints, right? Yeah. Lots of checkpoints. And even in Dark Souls, um, the punishment for dying really isn't much. Unless you have a bunch of souls on you. But that's that's you can choose not to, you know, go into a risky situation. You can go back and cash those souls. But there in. aren't so, very many checkpoints being, in the Souls games, right? Well because that's how you Traditionally you gotta, there's not. That's why you have to open up the shortcuts so that if you die and get kicked back to the beginning of the level, you can get through those shortcuts instead of running through the entire level. There still is a favorable amount of shortcuts though. Um like I from I didn't play through three, but I watched a full playthrough of Dark Souls three yeah. and they definitely ramped up the amount of checkpoints. I don't think that's bad. I think they're obviously trying to hit a way more casual market, so having those more checkpoints. Splunky has zero checkpoints. You die, you start at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, See so. that? That's what would turn me off about it. Yeah. Uh, that's just too much in that direction. Uh, but what I was going to say was, yeah, the original Dark Souls had very, very seldom would you find a bonfire. Right? Yeah. You would have to go a long way. And at the end of that long journey, you've got to fight a boss before you get to a bonfire. Like It, it, it was difficult. Just the, the scarcity of the checkpoints really added to it. Because when you finally found one or when you finally found that shortcut, it was like, oh, thank God. It was like the biggest feeling of relief. Whereas Dark Souls 2 had bonfires every goddamn 10 feet and it, it really detracted from what the game could have been but yeah i want to hear about shovel knight though like what was yeah, your yeah, favorite yeah. night how did the ending go i want to hear all of it yeah we got to get back on topic here so <clears throat> my favorite night i'm not sure i plague night was pretty cool tinker night was pretty cool um the the snow guy polar knight uh he just pissed me off i don't know why i just didn't like him but so, is there different endings? Uh, no, there's New Game Plus, but okay. there, there's added DLC, which you play as uh, Plague Knight, and then I forgot what yep. the, new, the new one is. The new one is, uh, I don't Spectre Knight? No, that's not right. Anyways, yeah, there's different characters you can play as, and those change the game a little bit. There's two different endings you can have, though. You know when you play through the last gauntlet and you, you defeat all the knights? Which... You can, <laughs> 
that was like an are you fucking kidding me try moment. play try playing when it on you, new game plus dude it is when insane. you yeah when you realize that you literally now have to fight all of the bosses in a row yeah each of which took you like a half an hour and 20 tries to beat Jesus on their own fuck. yeah but i i do like that about the game though because you have to learn those characters mechanics and you have to learn how to beat them right so then it's like you have to do this all in a row um so the two endings it's it's not crazy but when they're all hanging off the ledge, did you choose to save them or did you kick him down? Or, like, not save them? <laughs> okay, that's right. I remember now. I saved them. Yeah, you can not save them, and that slightly changes the ending. Um, really? Yeah, so how did... For me, I really like the last level where you're fighting the Enchantress and you have to, like, there's invisible blocks. Um, and, the, well, not necessarily invisible. When you're jumping, they pop up. So you have to, like, kind of, like, jump yeah. forward and then jump back, and then, okay, that's where it pops up, and then you have to jump. Uh, you're walking along, and you're terrified. And you're like, you literally have to jump without knowing where the block is going to be but then once you jump it appears it's the weirdest feeling also did you know that you can destroy the checkpoints yeah actually um because i, I <laughs> figured accident. that out okay then I, yeah on an accident but then i didn't realize like by destroying them i negated them yeah so i basically lost an entire level for the progress because i was just like oh i'm gonna break all these things now and then i died and I had to start all the way back to the beginning. I was heartbroken. but <laughs> So I never broke any after that. <laughs> so would you say that Polar Knight was the hardest knight to you? Because I thought he was. His his level is – it just doesn't make sense to me. Like it's not – I don't think it's super difficult. But everyone else, their level seems to work well with their abilities. His just seemed tedious. I didn't like his design. I didn't like exactly what he did. I thought it was weird to me. It's probably my, he's easily my least favorite knight in the game by far. Yeah, I mean, well, because first of all, he's like the farthest from a knight. I feel, but and he's the largest. He takes up most of the screen too, which makes it even more difficult. Yeah, I didn't have a particularly hard time with him, uh, or with that level rather. Um, I don't know. I, I the ice level, because uh, yeah, most of your platforms are slippery. Um, so where precision is really important when you're jumping around uh, was yeah. really difficult. Yeah, in some of those areas, but I really liked Plague Knight. Um, in that whole level, that whole theme, because I mean, in video games and things like that, like you're used to, like, oh, there's a fire level and an ice level and a earth level, right? yeah, and that's it. Like the plague night level, I thought was really cool and kind of creative. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a fun game. I'm, I'm really glad I picked it up. Um, again, this is kind of like the beginning of my foray into some of these indie games that I should have played a long time ago, but. Works very well on Vita, by the way. Like, perfect Vita game. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what? how do you feel about the um, the uh, the the chalices that you get for and uh, you can use different abilities on, you know, when you go to the Triple King? You know what I'm talking about? Not what, a clue. Did you, what was your foray into the items in the game? Did you buy a lot of items? Not really. I only ended up with, like, three. Because okay. I just – I didn't – in the three I had, I didn't use very much, so I never really pursued more. So but. there's two chalices you can buy. And with them, you can go to the Triple King, which is that giant apple trout thing that you run into. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the giant so. red fish guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can have him fill it with one of three things. One of them gives you health whenever you drink it. One of them gives you bonus damage, and one of them gives you invulnerability, I believe. Um, so what I would do is I'd okay. get both of those. I'd fill them both up with the health regeneration because that's the only one that really matters to me. And there'd be like two potions essentially. Um, yeah, that, that game is fantastic. I think the way they they integrate the classic 2D platforming with 
the RPG elements of like going to the shops and buying the items and talking to these people. Um, even like the side quest of getting all of the music notes, I thought was really clever because um, people love music in those retro games, you know. So I definitely think as a whole package, that game is fantastic. Um, I'm glad you were able to play it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just the the difficulty was very frustrating, um, but it, it's very forgiving in that in the same sentence because of all those checkpoints. And when you do die, you only lose a, a percentage of your money. Yeah, so it's even and, less difficult than Dark Souls in that sense, because in Dark Souls, when yeah. you die, you lose all of your souls. Right. Yeah. So when when you die in Shovel Knight, yeah, you just lose a tiny chunk of your money, and I always had plenty of money, so I could die over and over again, and it never really became it never really became an issue. I never once like completely lost my money and had to restart in that sense. I'm not sure even what happens if you lose all your money. But How did you feel about the Wanderers, like the random guys you fought in between? You know what I'm talking about? Because there was a set... Uh, stages and then there was those three guys that you run into how did you feel about them yeah i mean they're just more bosses they were cool yeah um so overall great game in your opinion thought it was good yeah absolutely awesome uh jordan you've played shovel knight right Mm -hmm. i always ask you yeah i haven't finished shovel knight that is definitely on my list um and i actually got it the day it came out on pc and then bought it when it came to PS4 for cross-buy, um, but I still haven't beaten it. So, yeah, definitely on my list. Um, was it cross-buy cross-play on PS4? Um, I don't know about cross-play. Cross-play's not as much of a thing. It's usually... I'm, I don't know why I said cross um, Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is because in the main menu, there's You're an asking about cross-save, right, Jared, where you can uh, pass your saves in between. Well, both. Like, buying it on PS4 and you also own it on PS Vita, and then also... So that's cross-buy, cross-save. Cross-play would be, like, there was a couple of PS3 games that did this where you could, um, instead of remote playing um, as another controller on your Vita, you played the game through your Vita, and it hooked up a multiplayer connection to your PS4. It's weird. But, yeah, cross-buy, cross-save, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, would you be excited for if they announced a Shovel Knight 2, Dom? Are you are you excited to play another one in the series? Uh, the the easy answer is yes, but you know they probably might not even bother putting it on Vita. I don't oh, know. I think they will. <laughs> It'll be on I NX. I think they will for sure cuz it, it's Yeah, look how open they were to putting it on everything right. originally. Like And the fact that like yeah. you know, Volume or Axiom Verge um Bastion, we get all these PS4 ports that have Vita promises. Hyperlight Drifter is the same way, um, and then the Vita comes like Vita version comes like six months later. But for Shovel Knight, it was day and date. So I think they know what's up with Vita. So also, what, they they listen to their gamers. They gave them free DLC too. Like I think this is Yacht Club Games is a company who cherishes sure. gamers. So I think they they know. Yeah. What if what if this game doesn't this if, what if Shovel Knight two doesn't come out for two more years though? Mm, then the Vita's well, even Shovel more. Knight came out summer of twenty fourteen, so I'd say we're probably we might even get a new game from them next year. It may not be Shovel Knight yeah. two, but I think Yacht Club Games is about due um, for a game. Yeah, and it also it necessarily doesn't need to be a sequel either. They could do like a like a prequel because there's so much. And it's it's not a crazy filled lore. Uh, a game full of lore, but there is stuff there that you can hint at to what happened with Shovel Knight and Shield Knight in the past, and you can go through that whole story arc, and that does, that means you don't have to necessarily change the game engine too much, and you can focus on that game, and then ramp up for 
the the next installment in the Shovel Knight series, like the main right. game, you know. So we'll see. I'm excited because if Play Dead's any indication from game one to game two, that leap can be tremendous. So we'll see. Um, yeah, the last story here, we've talked about two indie games on each of our topics. Uh, Jordan, hit us with your mid-year indie Yes, so discussion. that's exactly what we're doing today. Um, I think it might have been our second episode that we ever did, but it was very early. Um, we had kind of a GDC-focused episode and um, broke down a lot of the indies, what would be upcoming, what had just come out. And so I wanted to do, uh, yeah, like you said, kind of a uh, mid-year indie update. Um, so... A lot of those same indies still haven't come very, out yet. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I basically just made a list of games that have come out this year and are supposed to come out soon. Um, of course, there's going to be some that I m- missed on the list, some that I couldn't remember. Games that I could remember, but I couldn't remember the title of, so you'll have to forgive me there. Of course, you guys can add anything that you think of. Um, so, first, I thought we'd just go through and I'll bullet point list... Um, some of the, uh, what seemed like the best, not necessarily my favorite, having played all of these, but what seemed like the best indie games of this year. And feel free to chime in if you have any thoughts. Um, first up is Hyperlight Drifter. Um, obviously I've been talking about that a lot. I think it has its issues, um, that keep it from being an amazing or incredible game, but it is still great nonetheless. Um, totally worth checking out. Um, Fury, which was free on PlayStation Plus in June, um, and is a, uh, kind of a boss rush, Afro Samurai hack and slash type game with a really cool color palette and music. Um, like I said, very much, very big Afro Samurai vibes. If you're a fan of that comic or anime, you'll definitely dig this. Um, of course we have Alienation, which is the spiritual successor from Housemark to uh, uh, Dead Nation, and um, this is a really great arcade game. Once again, it has its flaws. I wouldn't say it's an exceptional or immaculate game if you're basing it on our scale here at Controlled Interest, but I would say that it has a lot of great things going for it, a lot of great arcade fast-paced gameplay, which I am always down for, and it has a dash button, which... Um, if your game has a dash button, you're probably on my good list. Um, <laughs> then Stories Path of Destinies, that is a game I got a review code for, but I really haven't played much of. Um, it came out right around Quantum Break and Uncharted 4 and Ratchet and Clank, uh, so there was a lot of stuff right around that time. Um, one game I want to give a spe- special shout out for is Moon Hunters. That is a 16-bit-ish kind of uh, RPG on PS4 and Vita um, that is a personality test RPG is the way it was described in the trailer. And so it's really interesting. It's all about social interactions with the characters. It's not online. It's social interactions with the characters in the world and how you um, are able to solve complex problems and get along with people and move about the world. Um, and it focuses on your social connection. So shout out to that game. I'll probably be playing that later on this year. Um, I Am Setsuna, which, or I Am Setsuna, if uh, we were in Japan. And that is um, a game that is heavily inspired by classic JRPGs, which I have been getting into a lot recently. Um, It got some middling reviews, but it definitely seems like people are positive on it. So I'll be playing that once it drops a little from its $40 price point. 
so I'm glad you bring that one up too. So uh, I talked a few months ago that I really wanted to try uh, one. Uh, yes. Chrono Trigger uh, was a game I never played, which is uh, probably what is uh, I am such sure. is most inspired by. Um, so it's Chrono Trigger is I think ten dollars yeah. on the Vita yeah. on the PSN. So I'm I, I don't know I'm like it's it's old. Um, it's but it's supposed to be one of the greatest yeah. games of all time according to a lot of people so I'm like maybe I should give this a shot and then also uh, different genre but Castlevania Symphony, yes. Symphony of the Night is also one game that I never played um, really due to age I never played any games from from that era right because once you when you're a kid and once you're at like Nintendo 64 you don't really want to go back it's just not Plus, those aren't the games you're thinking about when you're that young you're thinking of the Marios and the Zeldas not the right. JRPGs yeah. or yeah Right. So yeah, for Castlevania, also really cheap on the PSN. So I might have, might pick those up. Soon I would talk about definitely that. recommend both so, of those. A lot of people complain about the PS1 port of Chrono Trigger compared to the uh, SNES version uh, because it had like loading times in between, um, like when you were trying to press pause and go to the menu. I played it for several hours and that really didn't affect me. So I would say you're good to go on that PS1 version. So we're still going through games that. Right, yeah, so um, then just a couple more. We've got Abzu and Bound, which both just came out recently um, on PlayStation, and they are uh, very much kind of ethereal, emotional experiences, less so than like a combat action game. Um, Then we have Broforce, which is a uh, side-scrolling shoot-em-up, which is like kind of a big ode to the 80s and 80s movie stars, action movie stars. Um, then we have Salt and Sanctuary, which is um, a Souls, Dark Souls-esque game, side-scrolling, um, with uh, action combat. Coming to Vita. Coming to Vita. I didn't even know about that. So, um, I will... Supposed to. We'll see when that happens. I already had Bloodborne yeah. uh, in my library, and um, when Salt and Sanctuary came out, I was just like, yeah, I'll probably wait on that when it's cheaper or whatever. Um, now that it's coming to Vita, that sounds like a perfect time to play it. And then last uh, but not least, like I said, I'm sure I forgot plenty of games that came out this year. Um, but a lot of people were really high on The Witness earlier on. I don't think any of us played that, but oh, yeah. that's probably a game I will play down the road um, once it's cheaper and when I'm in the mindset for a puzzle game like that. You forgot my game Inside. Here. Now, the reason I yep. didn't mention that is because I'm putting it in my upcoming list since it's um, yeah, since really the only console upcoming. that matters is its upcoming release. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the worst indie game I played. Oh, yeah, Tumblestone. Free on Games with Gold. I think still still free because uh, yeah, Xbox does like that extension so thing. Bad. Yeah, it is so bad. Um, yeah, I want to so, hear what's coming out the rest of the year. We're getting close to the wrap-up, so it's... This uh, is a longer list, so I will give a little bit less information about these. Um, Pyre, which is the latest game from uh, Supergiant Games, who I just talked about Bastion being uh, one of my favorite uh, Vita games. And, of course, they also did Transistor, Transistor. so this will be the third game. It's kind of like a sports-type thing where you're um, playing ball. Um, so, yeah, it'll be that'll be interesting. Very excited for that. Absolver coming from uh, Devolver Digital, 
which is like a melee combat online game. Um, the online multiplayer part definitely turns me off a little bit, but still excited for it nonetheless. has a really cool aesthetic and uh, really cool character designs. Uh, Mother Russia Bleeds, which is a beat-em-up side-scrolling that is uh, an ode to 90s beat-em-ups. Looks really hardcore and really bloody and fun. Uh, Ronin, which is a samurai game, samurai ninja game. If you got one of those coming at me, then I am definitely putting it at the top of my list. And it's similar to N+, or N++, if you guys have played that, where um, you're kind of moving and then stopping and then choosing your direction and uh, figuring out where you want to go next and then making that move and then stopping again and making another move. Um, then we have Vampire from Don't Nod. Um, Jared is, of course, a fan of Life is Strange, which is Don't Nod's last game um, before Remember yeah. Me, or uh, Remember Me was before that. Um, and then Vampire is their next one. It is a uh, looking like a AAA third-person action-adventure game where you play as a vampire in London. Um, Dom, I know you're uh, playing AC Syndicate right now. Very much some Bloodborne... Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, Victorian London vibes coming from this one. Probably, I like it. Probably like next year, maybe even 2018 for that one. But we are looking ahead here. Don't, don't, yeah. don't so much like the sound uh, of that. <laughs> so, Cosmic Star Heroine is something that I just found online. Um, a lot of these awesome indie games that are coming out are 16-bit, uh, and they're you know like JRPGs that are really kind of an ode to classic 90s. Uh, stuff, so I decided to just put that on here because it looks cool. Of course, Inside, we just mentioned that earlier. Um, Aragami, which is kind of similar to Fury. Uh, you are a kind of a shadow ninja warrior, and you literally jump from shadow to shadow to assassinate these guys in 3D spaces. Um, so almost kind of like um, if you took the Metal Gear VR missions and turned it into, instead of Raiden, a cyborg ninja, if you turned it into a shadow ninja who feeds off of shadow power, and you jump from shadow to shadow and assassinate people. Looks really fucking cool with a dope aesthetic. Um, Perception, which is a former Bioshock developer, and it's about a girl in a haunted mansion who is wandering around, uh, I should say a blind girl, who is wandering around using echolocation to discover her environment. Looks very cool. Um, Iconoclasts, which is a another one of these 16-bit uh, games. It's a side-scrolling RPG, um, which looks a lot like, like I was saying, one of these, another odes to classic role-playing games. Um, don't know much about this, but I think it's another one of those, like you were talking about, Jared, uh, a game made by one person that looks to be taking quite a long time, but it looks like it's going to be worth the wait. Um, Pray for the Gods, we just got a trailer for that. It uh, seems like kind of a tribute to um, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, where you're fighting these, you're like climbing on these giant bosses, and you have to like climb around their body to defeat them. I've gotten a lot of targeted ads <laughs> yeah. on Facebook. So Jared will be updating us on that <laughs> since he's not going to be able to forget about it. Damn cookies. Um, then Death's Gamut, which is an adult swim game. A lot of Dark Souls vibe. It is another one of these 16-bit side-scrollers. Looks a lot like Hyperlight Drifter um, with some crazy-ass bosses 
looks like it's going to uh, give you quite a challenge as well as uh, um, a lot of fun. It looks like some fast-paced com fast combat, which you know I'm down for. Um, next up, Jared has already highlighted this game in his uh, indie hype video on our YouTube channel, and that is Katana Zero. Um, another fast-paced fast <laughs> samurai game. Um, like I said, if you if you got a samurai indie game, man, Mark of the Ninja, N++, whatever, dude, I'm down. Um, if you want more information on that, definitely check out Jared's video on our YouTube. Um, next is Manifold Garden, which is like an MC Escher, like, puzzle game that's all about changing the perspective of things, like, you know, stairs going into stairs and crap like that. Um, Below, which is, I think... Definitely one of Jared and I's most anticipated indie games. Capybara Games, games. indeed. Yep. From Down Under. Um, well, they may not. Yeah. Another shrimp on the barbie. That game looks like it's going to be... So, essentially what Inside does in the 2D side-scroller space, I think this game is going to yes. do it in the top-down perspective. If you kind of yes. know what I'm getting at there. Um, super excited. Yeah, it, this game. It's, I it's one already. of those games that's like, alright, it's about time for you guys to release this. Um, if you mix up Zelda, Dark Souls, and Hyperlight Drifter, I think this is what comes out. So, if that sounds interesting to you. Uh, okay. Cuphead, which is a side-scrolling um, platformer now. It changed to be a platformer now. It was just boss battles, but um, has a uh, kind of a Steamboat willy like 1940s, 1950s cartoon aesthetic. Um, looks gorgeous. Uh, we Happy Few, which we've talked a lot about on this show. Um, we Happy Few has kind of a Bioshock vibe to it. It's all about this weird fake British town where everyone takes this pill called Joy to keep them from um, experiencing the depths of depression which they would obviously experience if they were to stop taking this drug and look around at all the fucked up shit going on in their town. So um, <laughs> definitely a Giver 1984 yep. dystopian vibe. Um, I actually I actually got the the um, preview. The game preview, but I haven't played it because I don't. I want. I was teetering game. on yeah. that. So I, I was considering that too. I just yeah. got it early, so that way it's downloaded when the actual game comes out That's next dope. year, and I don't have to worry about it. Um, but I'm, I haven't even touched it. So, so running through the last few here, um, Gang Beasts. That one just kind of looks okay. cool. It's a goofy co-op game where you um, fight your buddies, but it's like your characters are real. F well, it's still in early access, right? So yes, like it's exactly. And your okay. characters are really like floppy, and it's like kind of hard to control. So that's it's like a really goofy fighting game. Um, Tacoma, which is from Fulbright, uh, they are the makers of Gone Home, so they obviously have a breed of good storytelling. Uh, Steve Gaynor, the uh, head of that studio, um, originally came from doing the Minerva's Din DLC on Bioshock Two. So um, I fully trust that they're going to have an awesome. Uh, story here. Isn't there some kind of weird timed exclusivity with this? Isn't it coming first? It Xbox might be. You might be correct about that. Yeah, there's something with that. I don't know if that's correct, but there's. That, I was looking on YouTube, and their trailer had the was uploaded on the Xbox channel, which might indicate something like that as well. Yeah. Um, so we have three that, more um, really quick ones. Hellblade. I've talked about this game a bunch on the show. How excited I am. Yes, Ninja Theory is going awesome. super, super in-depth with each step of the development of this game um, and making it like a triple-A indie title. It's really cool how they're doing this. 
I'll leave the details to them. Go check it out. This is looking like an awesome um, action-adventure game. Um, and then the last two, Rhyme, it was kind of in development hell right now because um, it was probably going to be a Sony exclusive, and then we found out that Sony ended up um, taking back the dev kits from the developer. Um, Tango, no, that's Tango Gameworks is Evil Within. Something like that. It's like, um, it's like, uh, Tango. Tango and Cash. Lime, Limeworks, something like that. I don't know. Anyways, uh, they are doing a game with GameStop under the Game Trust publisher arm. So, um, they're not totally dead in the water. We'll see how that goes, and maybe Rhyme will come out eventually. And then, last but not least, is Desync. This is kind of like a Doom-esque game in a very neon, um, kind of Tron-esque uh, digital world. Um, so yeah, if you kind of imagine like Tron and Doom being mixed up, like some Far Cry Blood Dragon type stuff, um, that is desync. So some of these games I don't know a ton about, but um, maybe just their aesthetic or the gameplay clips that I've seen have got me really excited. So um, I, like I said, I'm sure there's, there's a few I've missed. But um, those are the games that I'm indie games that I'm excited for, and that is your controlled interest so, indie mid-year update. So I got a couple actually. Um, one is Clank, which is the Clang. rhythm 2D platformer um, that I saw at GDC. It's a red and blue aesthetic. It's Tron okay. meets rhythm games. Um, just Google it if you guys want to. It's K L A N G. Looks like a great game being developed by one person. Um, the other game here that we forgot to mention, or I forgot to mention for the games that have been released, it actually came out a couple of days ago, uh, Overcooked, which is an indie game where you cook things. So if you like Diner Dash, or... Dom's not having it. What? I just... The premise of it, I just... I'm not into. <laughs> the game's fun. It's a multiplayer game, too, so you probably don't want to play it. Because it's an indie why, game. Why play with other people? Dom's too indie uh, for yeah, indie, true, bro. Too, indie multiplayer. <laughs> Um, it's a really cool game. It's really fun. If you like Diner Dash or the Lick a Tongue mini game in Pokemon Wow, I do not, but that, that is a fucking throwback, um, Jared. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'll love this game. It's really cool, really fun. Um, just a really good time. Uh, also, I have a couple of games listed here that I don't remember what they are, but I have them listed as games I'm like looking forward to. Um, this one comes out on the 21st of this month. It comes to PS4 and Vita called Alone With You. I don't remember what it's about, but I wrote it down, so apparently uh, it looked interesting at the time. And this other one, I believe, is a zombie-esque game coming to PC on the 23rd called The Other 99, which I thought yeah. was a really cool title for a game. Um, I Sorry, I don't remember what they're about, but I haven't written down as games I'm looking uh, I'm looking forward to. Also, I have a Drift on here, which I don't know if that's considered technically it is. a it is. indie game. And... Uh, yeah, because like, No Man's Sky technically is an indie game, right? Because it's getting published that... by Sony. <sighs> That's a tough one. I'll have to. You'll have to come back to me on that. <laughs> Speaking of that, either you guys picking that up? It's no, going to be Sky. probably no. uh, later on this month or September before I do at the earliest. It's yep. it's a sale game for me, not a day one. I'm still interested. I have yep. my my expectations exactly. are where they should be, not this crazy exactly. end all be all. Um, yeah. So uh, that's it for that. Uh, really cool. Let's get into what we've been playing before we close out the show. Uh, or what we're going to be playing, rather. Um, yeah, I'm going to be playing more Splunky. Hopefully I can get through that game. Like I said, I haven't even beat the game yet. I haven't even gotten the second Good uh, luck. shortcut. Um, yeah, I, I need it. A game's super fun. Um, that other weird Warrior Dynasty Warriors game that came out for Games of Gold, I'm going to try that. I don't, 
It doesn't Warriors look like Oroki three. I'm the... Yeah, I'm gonna give it the good fifteen, as Marty Sleva said good on uh, Kiss I Love You. I'm gonna give it the good fifteen. See if I like it or not. Um, and I I don't know what else. We'll see. I, I don't want to make any guarantees, but definitely more Spelunky is in my future. You gonna see Suicide Squad this so. weekend? What about you guys? Um, more than likely, it's not a definitive, okay. but more than likely, I'm yeah. Same here. Uh, what are you guys? What are you guys gonna be playing? I'm gonna be <clears throat> jumping into some more AC Syndicate. Keep on chipping away at uh, Big Ben in uh, in London, and then uh, whatever I decide to do next on Vita, I'm kind of gonna leave it up in the air. I'm gonna browse the PSN Word. for a few minutes. So. Interested to see indeed. What you um, so for me, I am uh, just here in less than an hour about to go see Suicide Squad. Pretty excited about that. Um, as you know, I'm a, a DC comic dude, so that is uh, exciting, even though we're definitely at a shaky place in the DC cinematic universe right now. So um, hopefully in a couple of years I'll be in a more positive state of mind when going into these DC movies, but... <laughs> BVS didn't really do it for me, and neither did the Ultimate Cut. So um, there's that. Um, definitely playing more Bloodborne this week. And, um, oh, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, I finished Star Wars Dark Disciple. That was a very, very good Star Wars book. Definitely by far the best thing I've read in the new Expanded Universe. As far as novels, there's great comics, but novels. Um, uh, great ending. Love the characters. Um, so now I have just started on Timothy Zahn's uh, Thrawn trilogy, uh, book one being Heir to the Empire, which is of course old canon, but uh, these are some of the most revered books in the old EU, so I had to check them out. And of course we did just get the trailer for Star Wars Rebels Season 3, which uh, featured Thrawn, which means that he's one of the first uh, major characters being brought back into Star Wars from the old EU into the new Expanded Universe, and he's going to be getting his own novel, also by Timothy Zahn, who, you know, knows him best, um, later on this fall, so, um, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and give you some details on the enemy Thrawn. Awesome. Uh, thank you guys for watching or listening, whether you're checking us out on iTunes or on YouTube as this goes out. Uh, definitely give us a share and a like and all that stuff. Uh, follow us on Twitter to be updated on all of our new content, and it just helps you keep up to date with all of us. Um, our individual Twitters too they'll be in the description if you want to check that out if you want to see our individual opinions on a day to day basis um, check us out on iTunes give us a, a follow uh, give us a rating um, preferably not a one star like Dom said last week we're not a one star podcast um, also follow us or subscribe or whatever it's called on Google Play that helps as well um, and subscribe on YouTube too uh, we're slowly growing we got another subscriber on YouTube yes cool. um and definitely check me out on uh, the OK Beast podcast. I'm going to be actually recording after we finish recording this. I'm going to be recording a blessing, and that should be up. I'll tweet about it sometime next week uh, when it pops up or whenever he puts it up. Um, yeah, so excited for that. Uh, any yeah, closing so words, guys? YouTube. YouTube. Yes, YouTube. I was gonna. I was gonna mention <laughs> YouTube. Um, <laughs> no, I was gonna say. I was gonna say YouTube.com slash control no. interest. That's it, right? No, we don't have that but, yet. Get the Once we get to 100 subs, we'll we will be. So okay. you should help us get there by subscribing to the channel. Like Jared said, we've moved past 20 subscribers. Our next goal is, of course, uh, 50. And from there, we'll hopefully get to 100 and get our own URL. Um, I 
I call that a dominant. Yes, a dominant. That was like a dominant. Um, <laughs> I will also be guesting on a podcast called A Link to Our Pasts um, with a fellow kind of funny best friend, John Bernardo. Um, and that podcast is really cool because we basically talk about um, our gaming history and how we became uh, such fervent gamers. So that's something I really enjoy talking about. Can't wait to have that conversation. And uh, my final word may the force be with us all. Dom, any closing thoughts? <laughs> All right, catch you guys next time for episode 24. We'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.